Our event is built around fun and experience and value. So they appeal to everyone. And But what we found is that people who are put in an environment where not only the other players love golf, but the people running the event love golf, we do. And going out there with a true attitude of having fun has done really well for us to just breed people coming back event after event. If you're a golfer like me, you've most likely dealt with the complexities of organizing a weekend golf getaway with a couple of friends. Now imagine organizing a week-long tournament that is 10 times bigger than anything else on the planet with over 3,000 golfers playing over 15,000 rounds on more than 60 courses. Welcome to the annual Myrtle Beach World Amateur, which has for 34 years been growing golf through a fun, inclusive, handicap-based competition format. Welcome everyone to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with golf's top influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors about their vision to reimagine, transform, and grow the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I'll be speaking with Jeff Monday, who is the organizer of the Myrtle Beach World Amateur, which is the world's biggest handicap-based golf tournament. Hi, Jeff. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Hello, Colin. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on with you. My pleasure also. So, Jeff, to get us started here, please tell us a bit about yourself and describe to our listeners the Myrtle Beach World Amateur that you organize and host. Yeah, gladly. I am, uh, I'm originally from the beautiful state of West Virginia, and uh, I've lived here in the Myrtle Beach area now for about 17 years. I graduated from Coastal Carolina University, which is here in Conway, South Carolina, just outside of the Myrtle Beach city limits. And I've been in the golf industry now in this area for about eight years, nine years, and uh, I've been tournament director here at Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday for the last six years. And we run not only the World Amateur, which we're going to talk specifically about today, uh, but a number of other events here along the Grand Strand that introduce people to Myrtle Beach Golf as a whole and, and kind of the beautiful golf courses that we have here, as well as just the market and the, the enjoyability of this area and many different aspects, even outside of the golf. So that is what we do. Uh, the organization I work for is called Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday. We're a nonprofit marketing organization for the area. We're membership-based, so all the golf courses that we play on, all the hotels that we represent here are members of our organization, and we are here solely to, like I said, introduce people to Myrtle Beach Golf as a, as a great destination to come on um, buddies trips, family trips, bachelor parties, or whatever you may be looking for. And so that's kind of the genesis of what we have here, and spawned off of that is uh, the Myrtle Beach World Amateur Handicap Championship which, as you mentioned, is the largest single-site amateur golf event in the world. Uh, we'll have over 3,000 players that play in the event. This is the 34th year for it, and uh, we're really looking forward to a, another week-long adventure here along the Grand Strand on all of our golf courses. Wow, so 34 years. So this is uh, not a startup that, you, uh, that you're you just getting off the ground here. This is a, a mature product here, but it sounds like it keeps growing and enhancing every single year with what you're creating here. And I understand here that you've got 2,500 or so competitors already signed up for this year. So you're well on your way to reaching your numbers there. And for our, our listening audience, can you let them know what the dates are again? Yes, it's August 28th to September 1st. It's a 72-hole golf tournament, so we actually play the four tournament rounds Monday to Thursday, and then all of our flight winners and ties will play a fifth-round championship playoff on that Friday, and we do, as you mentioned, have over 2,700 players already signed up for this year, uh, well on our way over that 3,000 mark yet again, and uh, it is going into three and a half decades now. It's not a new event, but it's still something that's ever evolving, you know, is just in the game of golf in general. You know, you have to find new ways to make the experience different, to make it unique. 
And um, that's really what we have here is a unique golf experience. It's wrapped around a tournament, but it's not all about competitiveness and, and tournament golf. It's about fun and camaraderie and, and just a love of the game of golf. And so we find new ways to foster that each year. We find new ways to try and make it a different experience, one that's unique and that you cannot get anywhere else. And so we're constantly striving to do that. And we have this golf experience that people come from literally all over the world and all over the United States to come and take part in. And and so we obviously have our foundation and we have something that's been very successful for a number of years. And yet we still find ourselves searching each year for ways to, to stay relevant, to stay that goal on everybody's calendar, right? That to make sure that when somebody decides what they're going to do for the year, the Myrtle Beach World Amateur is on that calendar for them. Right. I love the fact that you guys are constantly innovating because that's one of the touch points of our show here. Part of the foundation of what we do here with the Mod Golf Podcast, and that is talk about people that are moving the games forward and organizations that are doing that. And I'm very pleased that I was introduced by a friend of yours, Chris Hurt, with uh, Next Gen Golf, who I had on the uh, the podcast a couple weeks ago. And once he put me on to you and I was looking at what you were doing, it's like, this is a perfect fit because of the size and the magnitude and also the, the mission statement of what it is that, that you are creating here. So for our listeners out there that are now leaning in and going, oh, this, this sounds kind of cool. So I don't have anything to do that week. Me and my buddies, we're looking for that uh, end of the summer golf trip and it sounds like there's some room left. Can you describe that experience of what that journey would be like if someone's now considering to sign up and, and make the pilgrimage to Myrtle Beach for your event? Absolutely. And when we talk about the size and the scope of it, 3,000 people, that lends itself to a few things that make it such a great experience. One is we are a handicap-based golf tournament. It is for the everyday golfer. This is an event that any truly anyone can play in and anyone could win. And so what we're looking at is we have players of all skill levels, all ages, male and female. And so with 3,000 players, we can actually take that. We group you based on gender by age and then by handicap. So what your golf tournament looks like, which is really the driving force of it and what brings people in. So I'll I'll touch on that first. But the competition aspect of it, you're actually going to be grouped based on that gender, age, and handicap. So that means that if you're a 52-year-old male, you're going to be grouped with 50 to 59-year-old males and then broken down by handicap. And with that many people, the handicap ranges are very tight. So you're not playing against somebody that's getting far more strokes than you or that's vastly better than you on a golf course. So you're around people of similar age and skill level. We have one of the largest ladies golf tournaments on the planet because we have about 300 ladies that play in the event. So that means something because the women are only on a golf course with other women. So a lot of the women that we speak to, they don't want to be catered to as women. They just want to be golfers, but they also enjoy the fact that they're on a course with only women and they're playing against other women of similar skill levels. So a lot of the hesitation that people have around the intimidation of golf, if you don't play tournament golf all the time or you're not in that mode, this is a great environment to do that in because, again, going back to that similar skill level, you're around people that are in that same progression in the game of golf. So that's another thing that's very intriguing to people. And so you do play 72 holes within that flight that you're put into. So you're only competing against maybe roughly 45 to 50 people for 72 holes. We can get into later what that looks like from a a leaderboard standpoint and all that. But basically, so once you've played the four rounds on a different golf course each day, along the Grand Strand here, we have many award-winning golf courses that you're going to play. 
the end of that, the top five in each flight receive gift cards and trophies, and the top player in each flight goes to our fifth round championship playoff over here at the Die Club at Barefoot Resort, and that's a day where you get treated beyond uh, imagination, and, and it's truly a, almost a tour-like event for people that day, and then we crown a world champion that day. So that, that's kind of the touch on the actual golf competition aspect of it in a nutshell. Sounds like a lot of fun to me. So so lots of things I want to drill down into there for what you just put out there. Uh, I'm going to start with this. One of the things on the podcast that we talk about a lot is increasing the female participation in golf and how do you do that? And we've had guests on that specifically. We've, we've spoken to that. You've mentioned about the inclusion of women and the percentage and number of competitors. But I want to hear from you. What do you actually do to craft an event experience that appeals to women in an inclusive way that is a bit different? You talked about it a bit, but could you expand on that? Yeah, you know, our event is really, and all of the events we run, are built around fun, experience, and value. So they appeal to everyone, and it's the old average, you know, throw everything against the wall and see what sticks. But what we found is that people who are put in an environment where not only the other players love golf, but the people running the event love golf, we do. And having good attitudes and and going out there with a, a true attitude of having fun has done really well for us to just breed people coming back event after event. And so then word of mouth is better and all of that. But as it comes to female participation, I've found truly that more females are wanting to participate in golf. And we see that across the board. And so finding ways for them to feel comfortable with that outside of what has traditionally been something where it hasn't always been inclusive for them. So truly being inclusive to have that desire out there that we want females to participate in these events. And then it fosters itself and grows organically that way. That the more women that we have playing in an event, the more other women want to play. And so we've had multiple people tell us in the past, you know, we, we couldn't decide whether we wanted to come and play in this or not. And then we started looking online and seeing all of the women that were playing. And we thought, well, you know, we're not going to be the only ones there. And so we come. And so, you know, what we found is that just having that attitude of, of, hey, this is going to be fun. We want everyone to be here. We want to be truly inclusive. And the more and more that happens and people go out and speak to other ladies about coming in um, and the more that are coming, it's that comfort level of knowing that you're wanted. And once you get there, you're going to be included just like anyone else and that it's going to be a truly great experience. And that has been something that we've just leaned on. It sounds like the year's previous golfers and participants are your greatest ambassadors. They are your best marketing arm, it sounds like here. And them telling their stories to their friends has probably got to be your greatest uh, promotional vehicle that you can have to grow it every single year. So with that, I have a question for you. So do you have any numbers on kind of the churn rate or the number of people that return for multiple years or people that have been there? Is there someone that's been there for all 34 years? We're down to six individuals who have actually played in every single World Am. We treat those guys very special every year when they come in, and we look forward to recognizing them again this year. But unfortunately, that number keeps dwindling down a right. little. But uh, And we have a, a number of people who have played for 20 years, 25 years, and it takes enormous dedication to do that on a year-in, year-out basis. But our average World Am participant plays in seven in their lifetime. And what we find is that from a year over year, we have about 50% 
20% of our field will be the people that played last year. Another 25 to 28% are individuals who have played in the past and are now coming back, whether that's a year or two years or however many years that prior that they didn't make it. And then we have about 20 to 25%, whatever that other gap is, that are new participants to the event. And they do come in a lot through word of mouth. Obviously, that's one of the most desired forms of marketing out there because you don't typically have to pay for that. But it just speaks again back to environment, experience, value, and truly the way that people feel about the golf tournament. Our players, because they typically have played in it so many times, they feel an ownership to it or ownership of the event. That's not always great when you're in my position because they like to tell you how much you're messing up sometimes, um, even if you don't feel like you are. But it's always nice to get that feedback. But they truly feel an attachment to it and they want people to come in and experience the event because it's something that they feel so strongly about. And so, yes, word of mouth is uh, definitively our best marketing tool. It sounds, Jeff, that you really embrace and understand the value of the quality of the experiences that you're putting out there, not only scaling them up, but making sure right across the experiential journey for everybody from morning to night until they finally leave, that all of that is paramount as far as that experience. And on that note, as far as quality and fun experiences, can you tell us what your participants do after the golf is over each day? They just don't go back to their hotel rooms and wait till the next day. You have a nightly party called the 19th Hole. Can you tell us about that? We do, and it's truly uh, what we consider to be the heartbeat of the event. The great thing about having this many people who take the trip in for this event every year is that they all share this common love of golf. And what better way to let that out than to get together each evening and pack 4,000, 4,500 people into our Myrtle Beach Convention Center, and we have our world's largest 19th hole. And that includes open bar and free food from local restaurants. We get 12 restaurants a night to come in, set up food stations. And, and serve their best meal options. We have eight bars set up throughout the place with a variety of beer options. We have full liquor bar, wine, soft drinks, coffee stations, all of that. So anything you want from a food and beverage is there. We have a main stage where we do instructional opportunities. We have Sirius XM Radio, Katrick and McGinnis that do their show live from there. We'll have some golf channels. Personalities come in throughout the week and MC. We have an indoor par three where it's actually a replica of TPC Sawgrass that gets brought in, play with limited flight golf balls, and we run contests on that throughout the week and a chance to win $25,000 at the end of the week, a 60-foot long putt simulators on the floor, golden tea machines, pool tables, all of these different activities that are going on. And then we have a ballroom where we have live music with bands each night and the biggest bar in the place and seating for 700. So whether you want to actually get up and dance to live music, whether you want to test out new clubs through the PGA Tour Superstore, play pool or darts or cornhole with your buddies while having a drink, get dinner with your wife, sit and listen to a, an instructor on the stage. All of these activities are going on. And at the same time, we have giant 24-foot leaderboards where we're running through the top 10 of each flight. We're congratulating people on hole-in-one. We're talking about the golf for the day. And so it's all of these things in one. And it's just the largest golf party that you could ever imagine all in one spot each evening throughout the week. And each player has a guest badge that they can bring a guest with them at no additional charge. And it's just a great added value to this golf event that still revolves around golf, but kind of gets your mind off of the competition a little bit and just lets you kick back, have fun, and relax. 
The more you talk about it, the more awesome it gets. So why exactly have I not signed up for this already? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm sure. Per- I'm perplexed you know, it's here. How many people still haven't heard about it, even though it's been going on for so long? It's such a unique event, and we've had so many thousands of people play in it over the years, and yet I still talk to people each year who just have never even heard of it. So it's always fun to talk about. And I have to say, I with guilt, I do fall into that category of until I was introduced by Chris that uh, I had not heard of your amazing tournament either. So I'm glad I have a chance here through the Mod Golf Podcast to shine a bit more light on it for you guys to our listeners. Definitely. And like I said, really, truly focus on value and experience and going back to that where you mentioned earlier, it's not just about golf. Right. We have great golf in Myrtle Beach. I think generally people understand that. Whether you've been here or not, you've probably heard of the area. 11 courses that have recently been ranked in top 100 on either Golf Magazine or Golf Digest lists. And the value that you get through that is phenomenal. And we have shows and shopping and the beach and all of everything else that's here. But when you run an event, people can go play golf anywhere and you have a number of different options. The reason we get so many people to come here for this is that we truly care about that experience. So it's communication. It's making sure that everything is, you know, efficient in the way that when you come in, you don't have to wait on things as though there's 3,000 people. It just happens and everything runs smoothly and all of that. And that's something that we've been able to truly, through technology and efficiencies of scale and all of that, to actually provide that experience for people. And it's something that golf tournament operators everywhere can truly take advantage of those things. And, And if you focus on those things ahead of time and the consumer, the player truly can see that at the end of the day that you've actually cared about it. So we subscribe to that quite well. And I'm sure an event like this, even though you guys have been at it for many years and you have it pretty much dialed, I'm sure, but still events, I know from the world that I live in that events, they are complex and they are uh, quite an undertaking. So it sounds like the Myrtle Beach community has really embraced what you guys do every single year. So do you have an army of volunteers like a PGA Tour event that jump in and help out? Or how do you guys go about getting this thing tactically on the ground done at the high quality that you managed to pull off? We do. The Myrtle Beach community as a whole has been behind this thing since really day one. And, you know, when we talk about the number of people that we have, we're going to play over 13,000 golf rounds in four days. So we can only do that with the support and help of the golf courses, the professional staff at those courses, because we're a staff of four. We're spending our days going through and sifting through handicaps and making sure that the competition itself is fair and equitable. And we're going through different issues as they arise and all that. So the professional staff, the golf course, courses do a a good bit of work for us on a daily basis and we're on 32 golf courses a day so uh, it is quite an undertaking but we appreciate that assistance and then we have such great lodging options and everything around here that people truly find themselves at home that the southern hospitality and all of that restaurants in the area are we're a tourist destination so they know how to take really good care of people while they're in town that don't live here so we have that structure in place and that backbone of support that we lean on and they truly roll out the red carpet for this event every year we have great support from the city of myrtle beach and the service individuals in this area and so it is a big part of it and people feel welcome while they're here On that note, so with around 3,000 golfers plus their friends and family members in attendance, I'm curious to learn about the regional economic impact the Myrtle Beach World Amateur has on the local business community. So Jeff, can you share with us some numbers from the data you've captured over the last couple of years, if you actually have that? I do. You know, we, we supply about 20,000 room nights during the World Am to area hotels, which is substantial for any of single event that occurs throughout the year here in Myrtle Beach. And then in addition to that, 
not only the tournament rounds that get played, which are four tournament rounds for each player, but through player surveys and different forms that we've had people fill out over the past six, seven years worth of data that we look at at any given time. We go back about six years to truly hone in on that. We have about 35% of our players still play three additional rounds while they're in town. So there's probably close to 20,000 rounds of golf that get played. People coming in early, staying late, and then about 20,000 room nights. So just that alone, I don't have economic impact numbers on you know restaurants and car rentals, although I know that they're sold out because <laughs> we can't rent vans that week and different things that go on. So we're actually going to commission an economic impact study through the university next year so that we can actually get a real number on it. It's been about a decade and a half since that's happened. And that's an area that truly we've fallen short on to not actually know that number. But one thing that we do look at is additional rounds of golf and hotel room nights. And we know those are substantial. Well, if I do have the pleasure to have a follow-up conversation with you in the future on the Mod Golf Podcast, hopefully you can share those numbers with us then once you have them. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to finding them out myself. I, I bet you are. So, of course, the other hat that you wear with Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday, for our listeners out there frantically looking how the heck they can actually get uh, get to your, uh, your event for this weekend, do you help facilitate the one-stop shop for people to book the week while they're there, looking for hotel rooms and the, the entire thing through uh, Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday, or how do you combine your two superpowers there? We don't. The only thing that we actually book in this office are our tournament experiences. But what we have is a large number, about 65 hotel and travel providers that are members of Myrtle Beach Golf Holiday. And you can find all that information on the MyrtleBeachGolfHoliday.com website of those different providers. You know, the Myrtle Beach market with so many golf courses, so many places to stay, so many different package options and everything else, the best thing that I can ever tell somebody to do is speak to a actual golf package provider in the area. Like I said, there's a huge list on our website that has that, and you can just reach out to any one of them, and they're so professional, and they, they have so much knowledge on the area that that's the best way to do it. We don't actually book those things because there's somewhat of a political thing that we have, you know, everyone's a member, so we try and spread the love as much as possible, so we don't actually do those bookings, but, you know, that's the best way to come to Myrtle Beach is is if you're coming here on a package, but well, the best way to come would be to, to play in the World Am and get your dip your toe in the water a little bit. But, uh, you know, if you're coming down for just a package, call any one of our package providers, tell them what kind of golf courses you like to play. Do you like tough courses? Are you more of a beginner if you want something a little easier? Do you want high end, low end, kind of a mixture of the two, depending on what your budget is? What type of place do you want to stay? We have beautiful oceanfront resorts. We have five star places on the intracoastal waterway, or you can stay right on a golf course in a two or three bedroom villa and you know never leave the property so there are so many different options up and down the grand strand uh, which really stretches about 60 miles north to south right along the coast so it's an absolutely awesome place to come and play golf but if you're if you're not truly familiar with it it can be a little bit scary and overwhelming when you're looking at putting together an actual golf trip and so those package providers are the best tool and resource that you could ever have Sounds like you've created a unique and profitable event here over the years. I'm, I'm curious to know here, Jeff, are there any other tournaments at even close to the scale of the Myrtle Beach World Amateur? And if not, would you take your tournament model to other locations and markets? 
There are not that are close. There's a Mesquite Am out in Mesquite, Nevada that has, I'm not sure the exact number of years. It's been, I think, around 14 or 15 years. It's the same model. They basically took the model and, and utilized it there. And in Bend, Oregon, you have the Pacific Amateur, the Pac Am. Again, probably around the same time frame as Mesquite took the same model. Those are both three-day events with a fourth-round playoff. I think the Pacific Amateur has around 300 players, and the Mesquite Amateur has around 500 players. So they've been able to do a good job of continuing the event, showing value, and getting people to come back. As far as I'm concerned, they're run very well. We don't see them as really a competition necessarily. In our minds, we want people to play golf and have fun and find new ways to play golf. So if there's somebody out there that can model after us, we find that as a form of flattery. We hope they succeed. And Mesquite and Bend, Oregon have done a great job with that. But still, if you added them together and multiplied by three, they wouldn't be us. So at the scale that we've done it, no. And would we do it somewhere else? The answer to that is no in our current setup, only because we are a nonprofit organization with a tax exemption that is designed as a marketing co-op only for the Myrtle Beach area. For us, we actually view other destinations as competition in general when it comes to getting people to go on a trip and all of that. So uh, that might be a slightly contradictory to what I just said, but at the same time, we're all in the same pool trying to make people golfers. We just want to grab as much of that pool as we can. But, um, but that's the way we're set up organizationally, so we would not personally take this elsewhere. But it's such a, it's such a unique event that's been here for so long. We have the infrastructure with the number of golf courses here. We have about 84 golf courses at our disposal up and down the strand within a close geographic area. So not everywhere has that. We have the community base with the hotel and uh, all that. We have the entertainment and the restaurants. Again, it's such an oversupply of that here that we're able to house 3,000 people. And Myrtle Beach is one of those nostalgic type of destinations. People grew up coming here from the East Coast all the way out to the Midwest. So we find that people enjoy coming back. It's something they're familiar with. And if they've never been here before, again, they like the fact that they can come back each year and play in it. So we're pretty happy here in Myrtle Beach as a home. And and I'm not sure how much you could scale this event other places. And I certainly have that nostalgic yearning for Myrtle Beach. You know, in a previous conversation we had, I told you I grew up in Toronto and we drove down three summers in a row and absolutely loved it and have fond memories. Now now I'm on, on the West Coast. It's a little harder to get there, but I still have no excuse for not making it there because I, I love Myrtle Beach. It is a unique and beautiful part of the world. That, that is for sure. And to expand on your previous comments there, you guys certainly have, I'm going to call it an embarrassment of riches there. The inventory you have of over 80 golf courses up and down the strand and the infrastructure that you have, that's probably one of the main reasons, just capacity or lack thereof with Mesquite and also with Bend. They just can't make it much bigger than that because they don't have the quality and the quantity that you guys are are sitting on there. So so yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a great thing for you guys to have in your back pocket there. It is. Was- and you know, having quantity doesn't only do the trick right but we have quality that goes along with that and so that's how it works you know if people were coming in and you were putting them on golf courses they didn't want to play they wouldn't come back so it really speaks to not only going back to what we were saying earlier about the uniqueness of this event the feeling that you can't get anywhere else when you tee it up here on a monday morning your first round but the quality of the experience the quality of the golf courses and that's what myrtle 
Beach really brings is people talk about the quantity all the time, but really, truly, if the courses weren't worth playing, that wouldn't matter. And so we're very happy with the inventory that we have and the quality of that inventory. And and we love showcasing it through our events. So I'm curious to hear what, what is your vision for the Myrtle Beach World Amateur in five or 10 years from now? And is there a capacity to, let's say, double or triple the participation numbers without diluting the experience? The capacity is there. I would love for that to happen. You know, and in years past, going back to 2000, 2001, when not only was golf booming, but everybody was 15, 16 years younger, right? So people were able to play more golf. People who have either passed away or had hip injuries or leg injuries, whatever it is that might keep them from playing golf now, were 15 years younger. The demand for golf was a little higher. We were up in the 4,000, 4,500 range for this golf tournament. And, you know, as golf participation has declined over the last 15 years or so, so has ours. But 3,000 people is still an awfully large amount of people to come in and play a golf tournament for the week. And so I think the goal going forward is just to find new golfers that want to play in it. Like everyone else in golf, we're in this kind of mode where we look at our demographic and we say, okay, well, where does this go five years from now? Because if we look back five years, it looked a lot different than it does today. And only in the sense that the demographic has shifted up. And so that's where guys like Chris Hart, who are out there with NextGen, bridging that gap for the younger golfers golfers to continue playing golf, to love golf, to compete in golf, to have fun with it and all that. That's why we need more people like Chris. That's why we're happy to be a national sponsor of that organization. And we want to learn how we can better communicate to that audience. And that's truly what we need to do. That's our goal is just to continue to cultivate new golfers, continue to find ways to enhance our experience for all golfers across the board, young, old, female, male, scratch golfer to 30 handicap. And so everyone isn't the same person. So we need to find ways to enhance the experience for every single individual out there that might have an interest to come in here and play in this tournament. And so that really is truly our goal on a daily basis is to sit around and talk about new ways, new ideas. And if we can find one that works, it is worth all the time that we put into it. Because any time that I talk to an individual who's never played in the World Am or never been to Myrtle Beach, I get excited about it. And I just want to continue to build on that and continue to introduce people to the Myrtle Beach market. And so if we can look at five years from now, still being around the 3,000 player mark, to me, that's a huge uh, accomplishment for us because in a declining golf market where we're more focused on how can we play nine or go into a top golf, and all these things are great for golf because people are playing, but getting somebody to play in a 72-hole golf tournament where you have to take a week off vacation and do all these things isn't as easy as it was a decade and a half ago. And so if we can maintain the level that we're at, we find that to be a, a pretty good goal for for us, only in the sense that it would really be a gain over where the market probably will go in the next five years. Right. And interesting, again, the things you touch on here, we've talked about these themes quite often uh, on the podcast, even last week with musician Kelly James, and you guys are doing this, embedding music and entertainment into the overall experience. We've also had conversations with people at the broadcast level and the professional tournament level, realizing that they need to create an entertainment product first 
that happens to have golf as the driver for this rather than flipping it the other way around or the way it's actually been for well always in the past of being golf first and entertainment second and realize that's not diluting the golf experience or taking away from the traditions but realizing that you have to position it as an entertainment experience first it sounds like you're well on your way with that so a quick question follow-up here uh talking about what next gen golf is doing of course appealing to the 20 and 30 year old crowd there through the team-based events that chris hart and the gang are putting on there what are your numbers right now, the roughly 3,000 competitors you have every year? Do you find every year your age is trending upwards or is it about the same? Or what are your numbers now? And also, are you going to start using some of the uh, secret sauce that Chris has created to then attract millennials and get those numbers trending downwards? Yeah, so we find that our age brackets for our men's divisions are 49 and under, 50 to 59, 60 to 69, and 70 and above. Well, this year for the first time, we actually have an 80 and over because the 49 and under guys have genuinely shifted into 50 to 59. I mean, and I don't mean obviously everyone gets older, but we see this skew in participation going into those older age divisions. And so our demographic, our participation age is going up. And so we see that. We always look at the World Am as a great microcosm of the game of golf. If we look at statistics from the National Golf Foundation and whoever else is running numbers, when we compare that to World Am, they are eerily similar. And so what we find is that we almost have this little test tube of the golf market in our hands and that we can look at and kind of see how things are going. And we compare that with data of just our general travelers to the Myrtle Beach market and everything else. And so we really have started to dive really deeply into that over the last few years because it is a concern. And what we are looking at and to the future is that, you know, things don't have to stay the same. So it didn't used to be that big of a deal probably for 50-year-olds to 6-year-olds to take a week off. Now, you know, as those individuals are a little bit older, they're retired. Well, now they're fixed income, so that may be an issue. Or they no longer can play golf due to health reasons. And then we find that our younger crowd traditionally people are moving around more in jobs so you have less vacation time you start careers later or you or you move to a different one more frequently than used to so families are also being started later so a 42 year old now may have a eight-year-old son or daughter that's in school so you know there are all these different factors now to where Monday to Thursday golf tournament may not be the best idea for us Chris has found Chris Hart in their setup that Saturday Sunday of events are the best way to go for them. People don't have to take off work. They don't have to because they may want to do that for a different type of event. They don't want to do that for a fun team event. And, you know, so we're looking at those things now. Do we integrate a team aspect into it so it's not only an individual? Because that almost every other event that we run is two-person team. And we find that people enjoy that as opposed to being on an island for four days. Do we need to move it to a weekend day or two weekend days? So there are things that we're looking at and that we'll discuss with them as it pertains to that market of should we offer a 36-hole version of it and things like that because it's important for us to be able to appeal to a younger generation with the event. It introduces people to Myrtle Beach Golf, but it also keeps people engaged. If you know that you're going to play in a golf tournament in three months, it maybe makes you go out and practice a little more, play a little more, and engage you in the game of golf more, which is really, truly what we want. And so I think that is important to us to continually look at our product and see if we need to alter it from the way that it's been for so long to appeal to a younger generation. 
I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're not going to grow complacent here, that you are continuing to innovate and experiment and prototype with this to uh, find ways to connect with a younger audience. And I'm, I'm hoping in a couple of years time, I will hear from you that you have a 20 to 30 year old age bracket and a 30 to 40 year old for one awesome three day event. So I look forward to seeing where you go with that. So before I let you go here, Jeff, here's your chance. Can you tell our listeners once again where they can go to find more information about the Myrtle Beach World Amateur, about the dates and how they can register? Yes, so our website is MyrtleBeachWorldAmateur.com and the dates again are August 28th to September the 1st. Anybody listening, if you go there, you decide, you look around, you want to give it a shot this year, you can use the promo code MODGOLF. We'll take $50 off of the entry fee, which is already low and a great value. You're going to get an awesome gift bag headlined by brands like Greg Norman Collection, Next Belt, PGA Tour Superstore, Club Glove. Just a really good gift package for you, immediate value back. We're going to play four rounds of great golf on Myrtle Beach Golf Courses. You get the four nights of that ridiculous 19th hole and really, truly one of the best added value to any golf tournament that exists, if not the best. And we have tons of great prizes, not only for flight winners, but we'll give away over $30,000 worth of just random prizes. We want everybody to go home feeling like a winner. And it's truly a unique golf experience that I wish everyone could just get a little bit of a piece of because it is so unique because there are so many people who just love the game of golf that are coming down to one spot in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina to experience it. So again, it's MyrtleBeachWorldAmateur.com. Mod Golf is a promo code you can use on the payment to get $50 off. And I truly hope that if you have any inkling to come down, just check it out and give us a call if you have any questions. Well, we will certainly be promoting what you're doing here with the World Amateur between Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we will be telling people about that promo code because, hey, that is our first promo code that we've had here. It's like we're all growns up now as a as a podcast into That's episode... T- you are episode 10. I can't believe we're already into 10 episodes here. Like the time has flown by here. So we will certainly be telling people about that. And we will also include everything you just mentioned there, Jeff, in the show notes. And this has been fantastic. I really thank you for taking the time here, Jeff. And telling us all about the Myrtle Beach World Amateur. Best of luck and look forward to talking again soon. So thanks so much for being here today. Absolutely. Thank you, Colin. I could not appreciate it more. Thank uh, you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the Myrtle Beach World Amateur Tournament Director, Jeff Monday. To learn more about the world's largest golf tournament, go to our website, modgolf.fireside.fm, where you'll find a link to their website also. And don't forget to use the promo code MODGOLF for $50 off your registration fee. Please join me next week when I speak with TrackMan co-founder and CEO, Klaus Eldrup Jorgensen. The idea about TrackMan came about from hitting endless amount of golf balls. The question we asked ourselves in 2003 was, if you could get some feedback on every shot, that would improve the quality of practice and make it more fun to practice. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ModGolfPodcast. Subscribe to the ModGolf Podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and comment on the show. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the ModGolf Podcast. I'll see you next week.